From Love and Radio, you're listening to the Secrets Hotline at 1929Secrets. I'm Nick Vanderkolk. So I go on gender hookups fairly often. Definitely way more often than the average person. Um, and I met this girl. I met her one time. Um, and we got along pretty pretty well. And, um, we smoked some weed, you know, we talked about drugs, what drugs they like to do. Um, and shrooms came up and I happened to have a shrooms hookup. So I'm like, Hey, you want to do shrooms with me person? I just met the next time we meet. And cause I figured what's the worst that can happen. And she agreed somehow. We got together a second time. We went to see Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse um, as the we were kind of coming up. And then on the way back, we got together. We were, we, I was starting to feel it. And then we got there and we smoked a joint. And that was when I really started feeling it. And so I was like, hmm. What is, what is the thing to talk about right now? So I turned to her and I'm like, do you believe in ghosts? And immediately her face changes. She looks at me and she says, you shouldn't have asked me that. As you know, I'm trying to like save the situation. Nothing I could really say makes it better and Many things I say make it worse. She started freaking out to the point where she kind of just leaves me in her front room, goes to her bedroom, I assume freaking out, and I'm like not wanting to mess with her more than I already did by accident, you know? I already caused the bad trip. I don't need to make it any worse. So I'm sitting on this couch and looking off into space and I'm visualizing how I am, in essence, just an appendage, a tendril of the human race, constantly going down pathways of success and failure. I lost my keys, never ended up finding them, had to take a $50 Uber home and then get a locksmith to fix my car. And, uh, yeah, just pretended nothing happened when I went home to my roommate. Thanks a lot, guys, and girls, and non-binary people, and people of whatever other various things it can be. Bye. Hello, Nick. So the secret is, in my last year of university, I went on a couple of dates with this guy, a couple years younger than me, and I was sort of like newly, I guess, gay or out of the closet, and I wasn't very well versed in, you know, the, the gay dating and sex world. So we had seen each other a couple of times, and the last time we saw each other, we went to go to the Ocean State. And then we came back to my place and we had each taken a hit of my bong. And 
we started hooking up. Things were not, I guess, going as planned. It took him a lot longer to get up. The idea of having penetrative sex cross our shared space, I was not prepared to do anything like that. There was no prep involved in our actions at all. We tried it anyways, and it was such a horrible fail. Then we just resulted to getting each other off, and I got off fairly quickly, but this guy took a really, really long time to get off. By the end, I think we were both like, oh, when is this going to end, which is never great. So fast forward a couple of days, and we got on the phone. He asked me flat out, he was like, hey, did you by any chance drug me the other day? And I was like, excuse me? He was like, I don't know what happened, but I was feeling shivers and my vision was blurry while we were hooking up and I just wanted to approach you and ask whether or not you slipped me something and I was like oh my god I can't believe you're actually asking me whether or not I drugged you no I, I didn't drug you I hope that my character doesn't scream would drug a guy on our third date needless to say we did not continue seeing each other and I only realized a couple of days after that conversation that we had hit a bong before we hooked up. So I guess in a way, I did drug him, though it was consensual. And I guess the takeaway is uh, don't smoke weed if you can't handle it, I guess. All right. See you later. Hi, I'm 58 years old. I have bipolar and dissociative disorders. And basically half of my life has been a secret. I don't have kids. I'm not married now. Haven't been for a long time. And my parents are dead. And I'm a sex addict. I've, I've had sex with over a thousand guys. I don't want to have sex with the same person more than once. But I'm a professional. I'm college educated. No one knows. No one at work knows. My parents never knew. I don't really have friends. I'm a loner. And the most recent secret I've had, I've been doing meth daily for the last five years. I ingested it. I'm microdose. And I'm taking my meds at the same time, so I'm not suicidal. I'm doing good. In fact, I'm having probably the best time of my life ever. Hi. So my secret is that over the past couple decades, I've experimented with quite a few different types of drugs. Psychedelics and, and pathogens are probably the types that have appealed to me most. About seven years ago, I decided that I wanted to know what it was like to inject drugs intravenously. 
So I kind of settled on three different drugs to try. And this is over the course of several different months. I did it when my significant other was out of town because I was worried that she would be frightened by these experiments. So I did these three. Each substance was just one time. It was definitely worthwhile. Something I would certainly never repeat today just with all the contamination and drugs, especially with fentanyl. But, you know, at the time, I didn't have as much responsibility as I do now, and I'm glad I tried it. I never told my significant other, most of my best friends, my family, just because I think there's still so much stigma attached to it. I've wanted to share that for a long time, and there it is. Thanks. I was 14 years old, living at my dad's house and my parents were divorced at the time. My mom came to my dad's house to hang out with me for a little while, and she told me that she had a secret. She pulled out this little tin box, opened it up, and it had a rock-like substance in it. She told me that she found it in my sister's room and told me that I shouldn't tell anyone because it was really bad, especially not her, because she didn't want her to know that she found it. As the evening went on, she said, I think that if you tried it with me, it would be less risky than like doing it with your friends or with a stranger. She proceeded to drive us to a Walgreens. She bought a pack of cigarettes. She hated smoking, so she made me smoke a cigarette because we needed the ashes in order for her to make like a janky crack pipe out of like a water bottle and the ashes were like a filter. Yeah, so then I tried crack at 14 years old with my mother. Shortly thereafter, I knew my dad was gonna be coming home and she left. Then I was alone, high on crack having to like hide in my room from my family. And I didn't tell anybody for a long time. And then maybe like a year later, I was with my sister and I asked her if it was hers. I told her what had happened and if it was hers. She swore to me at the time that she had never even seen crack. She hadn't used it. I knew she was like a recreational drug user, but I believed her. I found out later that my mom was addicted to crack with her boyfriend at the time. Yeah, I still like wonder to this day, was she so addicted that she couldn't wait to be alone to smoke crack? She had to do it with her 14-year-old daughter. I don't know, this, this secret brings me a great deal of shame to even bring up, and I really hope that it also brings her some shame to think about. It's been 20 years now, and I still think about it and wonder why. Hi, Secrets Hotline. One night back in high school, my parents were away for the weekend. Me and my friends were sitting around my room doing our favorite thing at the time, which was smoking blunts and listening to music. We were kind of arranged in a little circle, flicking our ashes into 
the little paper wastebasket that was in my room. One point, the blunt, somebody accidentally dropped it into the wastebasket. This wastebasket in my room back then I used for two main things. One was throwing away Mountain Dew cans, and the other was throwing away schoolwork and tests that I had masturbated on. And it wasn't like, you know, I was getting off on the schoolwork or something, but it was more like, you know, I was a teenager, I needed something to ejaculate on, and so I would probably spread out some old tests or worksheets in front of me and kneel down and kind of let it rip, you know. And sometimes if I didn't have any of those handy, I might just ejaculate right into the trash can. So one of my friends pulled the blunt out of the trash can and uh, it's basically covered with my semen. Um, And it was one of these really horrific moments in your young life where you're like, oh my God, this is just going to be something that I'm never going to live down. They're going to make up some kind of nickname for me, like sperm blunts or something like that. But surprisingly, nobody noticed. We just kind of kept passing it around. Some people commented that it wasn't burning so well. I continued to smoke it and, you know, this weird kind of schizophrenic weed haze where you kind of half mortified and half so stoned you're not really so sure what's going on that's the story of how me and my friends all sat around one night and smoked my sperm and um i never told them about it and um i don't think i don't think i will but you never know thanks on the school podcast, the one that kind of bookended it about how he hates his job as an alleged teacher. That resonated with me. I, I, this is my uh, God, close to 16 year of teaching. And I do think that he very clearly cares about his students. I would pass along to him that I don't think it's the job that you hate. I think it's the system that the job is in. If you're anything like me, you want to see them do well and you want to see them succeed. But by the same token, for your own sake and for their sake meet their needs meet them where they are you know at the end of the day does it matter that they know how to read on grade level or does it matter that they know how to treat each other correctly how to take care of themselves and how to appreciate the world in which they're living that's not what this system is built for unfortunately I would also advise uh, somebody who worked in a place for a long long time and gave a whole lot of my time to this job only to be cut based on seniority to make sure you have outlets, my friend. Make sure it's not just this job that you're trying to find your definition from. Make sure you've got relationships that you're cultivating, hobbies that you enjoy. Make sure that it's not just this because even though it feels like you've got the weight of this on your back, 
And I mean this with all respect. You're one person. For as much as we want to change what we can or what we think we can, it's not meant for one person, you know? So continue to do what you can do. Should you continue in this job? And I would also say, like, your kids probably appreciate you a lot more than you think they do. They may not show it, but I'm sure they think of you fondly. You sound like that kind of person with that kind of intention. I hope that you are not holding yourself to an impossible standard because that's just where it all goes bad. Good luck to you. That's it for The Secrets Hotline for now. Remember, there's still time for you to submit your dream for our upcoming Dreams episode. You can call the hotline and tell me all about it. The number, of course, is 929-SECRETS, or you can record a voice note at secretshotline.org. And of course, you can always leave a secret there as well. Again, the number is 929-SECRETS, or visit secretshotline.org. As always, if you change your mind for whatever reason, Just call back within 24 hours and I won't publish your call. If you can, please don't use a speakerphone or hands-free device. The quality of the call is much better when you don't. This episode featured the music of Julian Marino, H2O, Kishosis, and Microcomponente. Check the show notes for links. Our end theme is by Stephen Jackson. The Secrets Hotline is a labor of love and radio and made possible thanks to our supporters on Patreon. Thank you. If you want to help keep the show going, you can contribute yourself at loveandradio.org member. Or if you don't have any extra cash lying around, you can help the show by writing a review in your favorite podcast app. I'm Nicholas Sarding, Punch Punch Vanderkolk. Thank you for listening. <laughs>